0: Well before we begin our Torah study this morning let's pray together Baruch Adonai Melech Olam asher b'mitzvotav Torah. Blessed are you Lord our God King of the universe who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. God has good plans for you. He has a hope and a future for you and I want to talk this morning about how you can position yourself to welcome and embrace God's plans for you. And I wanna talk today about your future and how you can apprehend your future. I do wanna share with you two keys to apprehending your future that are not available to everyone, but they can be available to you. Now, everyone who wants to apprehend their future can use certain approaches, Good planning. Getting wise counsel from other people. Obtaining the training that they need. Practice, practice, practice. That will help with success. Developing your competency and your disciplines. And securing enough resources to accomplish what you set out to do. All of these contribute to success they work for everyone. They are good to do. But this morning, I want to talk to you about two keys that are not available for everyone, but they are available to you because of your life of faith with the Lord. And when I say apprehend, to apprehend your future, what I mean is something that's very rich. It means to discover Your future, to discover details about it, to seize it, to lay hold of it, to experience it, to open up your future. Those who trust in the Lord and who live the life of faith have extra opportunity to establish their future, but it's only available to those who live the life of faith and faithfulness. But before I start to share those two keys with you, the details of them, I want to begin by reminding you of something that is so foundational. Everything starts with the fear of the Lord, having respect for God, holding Him in awe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we're talking about moving into your future, you need wisdom. Honoring the Lord, trusting Him, and being loyal to Him. Psalm 25 speaks about the great benefits and the blessings that come to those who fear the Lord. And why don't you turn with me to Psalm 25, verses 12 through 15. This was one of the first verses as a new believer in Yeshua that that I memorized Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his seed will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord are for those who fear him. He will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord. He will pluck my feet out of the net. That's Psalm 25, verses 12 through 15. I turned that into a little song for my wife, but I only sing it to her. That's good. That's, good. <laughs> That's right. The one who fears the Lord, the one who respects the Lord, the one who holds the Lord in awe, will receive instruction. The way you should choose. We need wisdom. We need guidance to choose well. And it all starts with the fear of the Lord. Who's the one who fears the Lord? That's what this passage is about. The one who fears the Lord can experience the safety and protection that the Lord has. When our eyes are continually toward the Lord, he'll pluck our feet out of the net. He will rescue us from snares and traps. That leads to another scripture I want us to review. I know it's familiar to many of you, and for some of you, it's one of your favorite verses, but it's worth remembering during times like this that are filled with uncertainty and times when people can actually despair about the future. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. That is a great word from the Lord. The greater context is interesting. We'll read it. But the context is this. Israel was facing exile In Babylon, and there was so much unsettled about Israel's future, there was exile ahead, and it was clear to the prophet it was going to happen. He heard this from the Lord, and he understood this. However, the Lord was saying the exile does not negate the plans that the Lord has for good for Israel. And just because there's trouble ahead, it doesn't mean God does not have a plan. I can say it another way. God has plans for good, even when there's trouble ahead. So let's, let's read, starting in verse 10, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says, when Babylon's 70 years are complete, the exile in Babylon, when Babylon's 70 years are complete, I will attend to you and confirm my promise to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. So it's after a time of exile. That's what the Lord is saying. When that time is complete, that's the perfect time for what's next. And it will be a time for restoration. God has plans. He says, I know these plans that I have for you. They're not your plans. They're his plans. His plans, not our plans. Almost all of us would prefer a pretty easygoing life without any trouble. Anyone in favor of, like, just being able to sit on the beach all day long or sit in the hammock all day long and just relax and everything works and you never run out of money and you never run out of health and you never run out of sunshine, and you never run out of good sleep. All in favor, say aye. Good. You will receive something like that in the world to come. Yeah. And so most of us tend to pray according to our desire for ease and comfort and good but they're not always lined up with what God's plans are. That's what he's telling Jeremiah. There's going to be an exile, and there's going to be restoration. I've got good plans. And some of us would say, how could good plans even exist if we're going into exile? That's what the Lord was telling the prophet. Yeshua taught us to pray. For the Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's say that. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can examine ourselves, how often do we pray, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Often our most robust player, prayers come from what we want. But this is not about what we're trying to accomplish. It's about what God wants to accomplish, plans to prosper and not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. So it's not about your dreams. It's not about my dreams. It's not about what we hope for ourselves. It's rather what God hopes for us. The secrets of the Lord are for those who fear him. It's not your 10-year plan. It's not your 30-year plan. It's not your vision board. These are good. But I'm talking about God's plans, not your plans. And it's good to remember that God is causing all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called to his highest purposes. God has plans that are beyond our plans. There are secrets from the Lord. His plans are good for you. Now let's turn to what I mentioned at the beginning, two keys that will help you apprehend your future, to discover your future, to to even become aware of your future. The first key is in this week's Torah portion. The second key is in this week's Haftor portion. The first key, I could put this way, that the fellowship that we have with the Lord puts us in a position to apprehend our future. The fellowship we have with the Lord, and I added detail, and the service we give Him put us in a position to apprehend our future, specifically the future that God has planned for us. Your fellowship with the Lord is the key to even recognizing your future and to moving into it. And let me say this, that there will be obstacles. Even as God reveals the future to you, your future, there will still be obstacles. Genesis 18 verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to use the David Levine Amplified Translation in order to express some things that are clear in the Hebrew but are often not expressed in English translations. And they're so clear that some people are even troubled by them and wish that the Hebrew didn't say what it says. But here's the good news. The Hebrew says what it says. Adonai appeared visibly and physically to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as Abraham sat at the entrance to the tent during the heat of the day. Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and there in front of him stood three men. At other times, we've talked about how the people he sees look like men, but then later, they look like angels, and then later, they look like men, God, and angels, and it's all mixed up together. It's a beautiful hodgepodge, and we have to distill it. On seeing them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, prostrated himself on the ground, and said, Adonai, my lord, or sir, that would be a good translation into English. If I found favor in your sight, please don't leave your servant. Please let me send for some water so that you can wash your feet, then rest under the tree, and I will bring a piece of bread. Now that you've come to your servant, refresh yourselves before going on. Very well, they replied, do what you've said. So just some comments. These people can be seen. Whoever they are, they can be seen, and they can see. They can hear. They can speak. And they have feet, apparently dirty feet, that need to be washed. They're not apparitions. They're not like mirages or something out of the imagination. Verse 6, Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, three measures of the best flour. Knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, took a good tender calf, and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. And then he took curds, milk, and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it all before the men. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. Now, the language changes. Verse 10, He said, And the he said said, needs to be clearly understood, it's the Lord. Because he said, I will certainly return to you around this time next year. That's what the Lord said. I will. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah heard him from the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Okay, let's look at this. God came with a purpose and he came with some plans and he planned to open up a new and an unexpected chapter in the life of Abraham and Sarah, one that would ultimately benefit all of humanity, including us. You and I have been benefited by what happens here. God appeared physically and visibly to Abraham. And do you ever wonder where Torah reveals Yeshua? the physical and visible presence of God, this is a great place to go to. So Abraham has fellowship with the Lord, and that's when the Lord reveals the future for Abraham and Sarah. He's coming back in a year, and Sarah will have a baby boy at that time. And you might say, impossible. And the fact is, it is impossible, except... That's the way it happened. With God, all things are possible. But which which things? Those things that God wants to do and intends to do are possible with him, even if they're impossible. So let's pay close attention to all this. Abraham took time to fellowship with the Lord. Some people never apprehend their future because they're too busy. They don't have time to fellowship with God. They have no time for the Lord because they're so busy trying to make a future for themselves. And they miss the future that God is trying to make for them. And so I want to encourage you, take time to fellowship with the Lord and to serve Him. That's what Abraham did. It takes time. And we want to be generous and, and cheerful givers, and that includes being generous and cheerful with our time because this is the moment when god opened up the future for abraham and sarah their future and it was very personal it wasn't the future in general it was their future fellowship with the lord and serve him that's the first key to apprehending your future because when you are fellowshipping with him And when you're serving Him, that is often the time when God chooses to open up your future for you and to reveal something or to make something possible. Now, a second key is found in the Haftor portion this week, fellowshipping with God's people and uniting your service to the Lord by serving His people This is the second key that I want to focus on. Let's look at the story of the Shunammite woman and the prophet Elisha. And as we read this, I want you to pay attention to the details that describe the fellowship that Elisha and the Shunammite woman had together and the descriptions of the woman's service to the Lord and to Elisha. Yesterday, Sandy and I were reading through this, and she was sharing with me so many insights she had About this and how God worked in very specific ways and so it was exciting for me to study with her verse 8 one day Elisha or Elisha in English pronunciation visited Shunem and a well-to-do woman what kind of woman well-to-do well-to-do woman living there pressed him to stay and eat a meal After this, whenever he came through, he stopped there for a meal. She said to her husband, I can see that this is a holy man of God who keeps stopping at our place. That's a funny way of putting it, isn't it? I think the emphasis is on he's a holy man of God. Please, let's build him a little room on the roof We'll put a bed and a table in it for him and a stool and a candlestick. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he can stay there. He'll have his own room. One day, Elisha came to visit there, and he went into the upper room to lie down. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, "Call the Shunammite. So he called her, and when she arrived, Gehazi said to her, to him. Now, he said to him, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her this. You have shown us so much hospitality. Let's underline that and say it together. You have shown us. That's right. You've shown us so much hospitality. What can I do for you to show my appreciation? Do you want me to say anything to the king for you or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I'm happy living as I do among my own people. He said, well, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, there is one thing. She doesn't have a son, and her husband is old. And Elisha said, call her. After he called her, she stood in the doorway, and he said to her, next year when the season comes around, you will be holding a son. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> no, my Lord. She answered, man of God, don't lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and gave birth to a son the following year when the season came around, just as Elisha had said to her. Sandy reminded me that as in the case of Sarah, the Lord could have said, I have a son for you. Tomorrow morning you will wake up and you'll have a baby. That's not how he worked. He said, you're going to conceive and have a baby. And you remember, Michelle read this verse about Sarah's response this morning. She said, at this age, I'm going to have pleasure? And uh, everyone understood what that meant. So she and Abraham have intimate fellowship together and she gets pregnant. And in this case, the Shunammite woman and her old husband have sex, and she gets pregnant. Now, when you think, hallelujah, think about being an old woman, not in perimenopause, not in menopause, being through all that, if you will, and having an old enough body that you think, time's up. And then you find out, at this age, you're pregnant. Well, that's a crisis pregnancy under any other circumstance, but not this. But for Sarah and for the Shunammite woman, you know what it meant? They had to be pregnant. They had to be pregnant in a normal way. It's not easy to be pregnant when you're older. So this woman conceived. She gave birth to a son. Not to a child, to a son. And that meant something. Sandy was telling me, you know what that means? That means that she had a future She had some protection because her husband was old. And when a widow is left without any family in times of old, they're often in the most vulnerable and desperate circumstances. And so the Lord was providing protection and safety and a future for her with an heir. So God had a plan for this woman and her husband to have a child together. Years had passed, they had wealth but they had no family, and their future would end with themselves, and yet they were cheerful, and they were hospitable, and they served the Lord by serving Elisha and Gehazi. And the Lord had plans. He planned to bless that couple with a son, and he planned to use Elisha and Gehazi to bring the blessing. So the ones who had received the couple's generous hospitality were used by the Lord to bless that couple with a son. That part of the couple's future was opened up only when they were fellowshipping and serving the Lord's people. And they had been doing it consistently and generously and cheerfully. And so we learn something. Fellowship with the Lord and serve Him and fellowship with God's people and serve with them, and serve them as well. These are two special keys that we have that help us apprehend our futures. So as we fellowship with the Lord and His people, as we serve the Lord and His people, that's when we may discover our own future. That's when some detail about our future may open up that's when we may apprehend our future or lay hold of it or experience it. Or it may be when we receive the word that God has been waiting until the perfect time to give us. It may be the time after we had thought it should be. But it's God's perfect time. So I think it's very spiritual, But I think it's also very practical when you think about it. And when you think, where is my future? And maybe you've even given up some hope about something or you think, you know what, I'm just going to live without. Then when you start serving the Lord wholeheartedly, even under that circumstance... And you start serving cheerfully and generously. You give your time and you recognize your service to God, even your hospitality, means something. And it's it's something the Lord takes notice of and he uses it as he will according to his perfect time to bring about what he understands your future is all about. If we just wanted a simple picture of Abraham and Sarah or Elisha, Elisha and the Shunammite woman, and we could look at that picture, it'd give us just a static view of everything. But if you want to know what did it take to get to the point for Abraham and Sarah, What did it take to get to the point for the Shunammite woman? You have to know the story. That's what we learn about when we're reading this week. We're learning the stories of how people who are living the life of faith and are faithful to God serve him and serve his people and discover something that God has been waiting for to reveal, and to open up for them. We're all the beneficiaries of it. When we say we're the sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah, you need to know what your family's like, because you carry this pattern in your life, and the Lord will use it and repeat it. And let me be careful to say this. It's Things like own eggs and things like having people over and serving them and being hospitable is not about offering people free food. That's not what it's about. If you want free food, go to Publix and buy the BOGOs. You know, buy one, get one. You pay for one, you get two. You get a little free food that way. That's not what this is about. What this is about is being hospitable, caring for people, caring about people, caring about the Lord, understanding that the Lord is hospitable. The Lord is generous. The Lord is cheerful. And the Lord often recognizes that the time is right when people recognize that they want to be cheerful and hospitable and generous in their service to God and to people. So then it's perfect timing. So I want to encourage you. What you're doing in service to the Lord means something. And He's watching over you for perfect timing, for perfect situations to bring about what He wants to bring about when he wants to bring it about and how he wants to bring it about so that it will bring glory and honor to him and you will be remembered as a servant of the Lord. So I want to pray for all of us. Lord, we thank you that we can draw close to you and that you have good plans for us and we really want to live lives of faith and faithfulness. And we really want to live the life that you have planned for us. And so we can say, Lord, to you, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you that your goodness is running after us. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing those of you who are on podcasts, we want to thank you for your faithful giving. And for those who are making special offerings above and beyond ties for the Israel Emergency Fund, special thanks. And for those of you who want to participate with us and stand with us financially, you can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving for all the details about online giving and our mailing address as well. Now let's rise for Aaron's blessing. And hey, good news the deck area has been uh, rehabbed, and so it's looking good and wonderful. So you might notice that. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone.